Hello, welcome another from the Rookery End. My name is John. Uh, with me today is Jason. Hello there. And Michael. Watch out, all right. Uh, and we've just seen Watford draw nil-nil with Crystal Palace, and which I must say uh, is one of the most fun nil-nils I've had for a long time, but also most tiring. I'm really tired after watching <laughs> that game. Uh, Mike, it was uh, a, a different level of feeling and everything in, the, in that, that stadium today. Yeah, I thought the atmosphere was absolutely, absolutely terrific. Right from the off, I think it's probably... Palace have obviously tried to sort of throw a bit of a fly in the ointment, changing us around before uh, for the kickoff. But I think it actually worked in our favour because the the rookery and well the whole crowd actually the whole all four sides of the ground that was the noisiest I've heard Vicarage Road for for a really long time. Perhaps there's been a few pints before uh, <laughs> in various beer, beer gardens in and around W Day 18. Or was it just because it was against Crystal Palace? Well, I think it was. I think it was a happy combination of the three, wasn't it? Three o'clock home kickoff, probably pretty much safe in the in the Premier League against Crystal Palace. We know there's a little bit of bite, which is good fun, a bit of. I don't, that, you know, it is good. It's just nice. You don't have to. There doesn't have to be a reason for it. There just there is a little bit of, of niggle between us and Palace. So yeah, really, really good atmosphere. Really raucous sort of occasion, and the, and the game absolutely lived up to it. You wouldn't expect so. It'd be nil nil, but I thought it was an absolute. It's a humdinger, really, wasn't it? The sunshine definitely helped. Uh, but uh, Jason, you know, we we you know we, we always look at our uh, phones and stuff at two o'clock because that's when the, we you know, we get the official lineup coming out. Uh, you saw four four two, a Carcadini starting up front. No Firmino. No Jan Matt. What was your first feeling when you think we're playing Crystal Palace, who have got Wilfred Zaha, known for having quite a, a good energetic attack, and we play 4 4 2? Yeah, Zaha was my second thought. My first thought was what Mike said uh, about the Burnley game the other week, which was two big lumps up front. And how wouldn't we love to have a, a couple of big lumps like that up front? I thought, oh, yeah, let's, let's see how it works today. That'll be interesting. Um, and yeah, my second thought was looking, seeing that Mary Apple was playing right back and thinking, He's got a big game today with uh, with Zaha, but then in the end, the way they lined up, he was sort of on his own up front really until Benteke came on and sort of playing right across the line. So it wasn't really down to a, a single man to look after him. So the, the whole defence were important in that case. Yeah, Mike, the two up front was the bit that we asked about, but actually, were the two that we were sort of thinking about. Well done, Javi, for mixing it up for there. You know, we'd always thought if it was going to be two up front, it would be Dini and Gray. Uh, I know Gray's been out of, of touch, but he started with Dini and Akaka. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it played perfectly into the hands of, like, like we said at the top, that sort of rumbustious, sort of high tempo, dare I say it, relatively low on quality. It felt very much like, I'll be charitable, a sort of a promotion decider in the championship, perhaps. Um, and in those sort of games, it kind of everything goes out the window, doesn't it? I think it was definitely... Here comes a cliche. It was like the massive, another game of two halves, wasn't it? I thought Watford absolutely bossed it in the first half. And as we tied in the second, Crystal Palace were, were very much on top and a, and a draw was a fair result. But I thought, you know, Dini and Akaka were perfectly suited to that, that type of atmosphere in that game because they sort of worked hard and sort of flicked. What I don't, what I don't like is those little, and it's, and it's not just Dini and Akaka, those no-look sort of back heels when, yeah. they're in, when they're in good possession. And, and I've complained before about us not keeping the ball moving quick enough. So I'll take, I'll take that on board and say, well, I want you to move the ball quickly, but I want you to move it exactly how I want to. <laughs> but I think all too often there's, there's a back heel or a flick, which we know can come off, and when it does, it looks great. It can wrong, wrong foot a defender. 
But I think you're seeing three, four, five, six of them a game when you're in a good enough position to use your strength, use your touch, to take it down, have a look around, get it wide, then get yourself in the position as a striker. That's that's what your job is. And I don't think we see that enough from either Akaka or, or Dini. I was very down on um, Akaka after the Burnley game when he came on. I thought he was fine today. I thought he was as you'd expect Akaka to be and nothing sort of off-putting about that that partnership at all. But Dini, you know, say Akaka was at his best uh, and again probably showed that's as, as high as he's probably going to get within this Watford squad um, or at, at the current point. Uh, but Dini just felt completely different when he had someone next to him. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think I think the thing I don't like about Akaka, he's quite petulant. He's quite, he likes to but throw... But he was as petulant as he, he has been. I mean, there was one spectacular sort of meltdown when a foul quite did go against him. And I, I saw it on the replay and it did look like a dodgy one. And he just sort of almost break dances in fury sort of with, with, with frustration. And... Uh, um, so I don't know. We've got, we've obviously got issues. I thought when Gray came on, I, I don't think he touched the ball, did he at all? Really, and I, like he looked rusty. There was one little down the down the right wing where he sort of controlled it with his nuts. I think he sort of <laughs> sort of. I wish that season. Yeah, he just sort of, yeah, sort of bent down and the ball sort of bounced off the yeah. turf. And he controlled it really well, I thought, and because uh, it could have been dodgy otherwise. But uh, yeah, I think that I think that was the one touch he had. I think I mean ultimately we, we've come out quite upbeat and we've enjoyed the game, which. We don't really ask for more than that as, as supporters, but you can't deny the fact that, that up front, whether it's Troy, whether it's Andre Gray, whether it's Akaka, we're lacking, and we're lacking badly. I mean, we hit the post early on. That was probably the best move of the match, actually, when uh, Dini either crossed the ball in or got the ball wide, yeah. and then the ball came in. Akaka, as you'd hope, beat, it, beat his defender, got a lovely header on, and it just it hit the crossbar. That was what you want to see from a forward line like that. Get, yourself, get the ball, win the ball, hold it up, Get set, get it wide, then reset yourself to get in the box and attack it. And it happened, it happened once, and we weren't doing that enough. And that's, you know, that's where we're flicking it instead of trying to do little tricks and stuff. So I think we've got a lot of work to do to make us uh, an attacking threat because, you know, Hennessy's had a bit of an up and down season. I think for for Palace, he's far from cemented as a supporters' favourite there. And I think I thought, right, can we get put him under a bit of pressure in? Again, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're looking for a, a showreel of the saves that the keeper, opposition keepers had to make, pretty limited, isn't it? I mean, quite a good one when it almost got an own goal. I think quite some lightning reactions there. But I suppose the thing is, you say, there's, we talk about these problems up front. They haven't resolved, but it did feel like there were definitely some more, more shots on target uh, than, than previous games here. Uh, that's why we got a zero on our side of the column. But the other side of the column, Crystal Palace also got zero, um, uh, Jason. Uh, particularly our um, defence, with uh, well, since the last home game, two changes since the last home game, one change since last week. Cabaselli uh, probably came in for Prudel because he's been ill this week. Uh, and uh, Cathcart kept his, his place. Felt so much better. It did. It was, um, it was it was calm, wasn't it? And I think that's that's the Cathcart influence. I think he's such a calm player, and he's also got a, a, a decent pass on him as well, which I quite enjoyed. I think the first one went a bit off target, but after that, he sort of you know, calmly mop up. He seemed to be the one that was sweeping, letting Cabaselli sort of doing the pressing and the and the tackling and sort of putting the, the striker under pressure. Um, and I think that works as well as well because if you watch Cabaselli, I think what he doesn't mind the striker getting the first touch on the ball he almost lets the striker get the ball get it if he gets it under control he gets it under control watches waits for him to make his first move and then he seems to get in between the striker and the ball and comes away with it <coughs> turns away off he goes quite again sort of quite calmly there's no panic in there like you get sometimes with a maybe a, a Britos or a Prudel my favourite thing about Caracelli is that he just always looks like when he's running with an with a, a, a attacker 
His arms sort of don't go up like to shove them off, but he's running and it's like, will you just get off me, please? Will you just get off me? He can bat them away. He's comfortable, he's competent, he looks like a centre half. He looks I think he looks like a Premier League footballer. And I think that the fact that he's come into a sort of the maelstrom this afternoon after after such a long period out speaks volumes for him and it allowed like I, I completely parrot what, what Jay said in terms of Cathcart. Just takes his time, takes that extra bit of to set himself and he might just put the ball out, but that's fine. Because as a defender play the percentages do those things right and and more than often more often than not you'll be fine i thought that looked good i think they did they did all right they did all right uh but as, as overall performances go we you know we on the podcast we always look from what was happened last week or the last couple of weeks uh we're trying to come you know look back to the beginning of the season when things were really really rosy but actually on our whatsapp group dcw who's over in uh, russia watching this game on television Jason he sort of said we wouldn't have got a performance like this this time last year no and I think that's the important thing those six games at the end of the season last season it looked like we were on the beach from yeah from the first of those six games and the you were questioning the commitment and the effort of the players and I don't think you can today you can see that they're working hard still whilst we are lacking in a bit of quality and, and we've made the mistake the last few weeks the the passion's still there, the commitment's still there, the effort's still there. And I think that's pleasing to see. And I, and I think that's why today, as Mike said, we had such a good atmosphere in the ground. The fans were still behind the team because I know, despite recent results not being great, they know the players have been given their all. Mike, though, our first half was good. If you took the best moments, when Watford's best moments in uh, the Bournemouth game, Watford's best moments in the Burnley game and Watford's best moments today, was today better at our best? Um, no, I think the best we've seen out of those three games was at Burnley because I thought we passed the ball well and we looked incisive and we looked, we looked threatening. Um, today I think we were a, a different animal, it was a bit more high energy and a bit more direct. Um, so I think that my favourite performance was the one where we lost. I think the, the, the Burnley one, the fact that we... That just shows what a sicko you are. <laughs> <laughs> I am wrong in the head, I think everyone, know, everyone knows that. But I think for you know, that 50, 60 minute period against Burnley, once we weathered the initial storm, realised what we were up against, we adapted, we realised that we could cope with Ashley Barnes and, and, and Wood up front and we, we basically passed the ball around them for, for the next hour until they nicked two quick goals. So in terms of... You know, if, which one I enjoyed the most on the eye, easy on the eye, for a purist if I was bringing someone, you know, a Real Madrid or Barcelona supporting friend to come and watch it, that would be, that would be the, the period I'd want him to see. But of the three, I enjoyed Bournemouth as well. I think that was similar today in much as it was sort of like a bit of a ding-dong tussle with um, some newfound rivals. But today was brilliant. I think it's, um, you've got to, having gone from really not enjoying the, the football and, and not looking forward to the, the remaining games, that was a, that was a welcome fillip. And I uh, uh, I uh, congratulate the Golden Boys for that and thank them very much. But what I would say is, we've, well, I've certainly found a little bit of enthusiasm. Uh, I'd say Richarlison hasn't. I thought he was just looked miserable, uninterested, um, and I thought his body language was, was very, very poor when he came on. I think he had an opportunity to take on a tired defence, take on a defence that most of them had been booked because everyone in the ground had been booked by the time he came on. Um, and I don't really think he, he grasped the metal at all. And it's going to be an interesting summer for, for him, I think, because he, I think he's still left with quite a lot to prove because things haven't gone his way since early on in the season. I'm not sure he's necessarily reacted as well as we'd hoped because the, the thing that we loved about him at the start of the season was his never-say-die attitude, his toughness, um, his ban- you know, he just got back up and, like Will Hughes we're seeing from him now, that was, that was Richarlison and it's just... You know, when he shot instead of passing, I don't mind him having a shot. You've got to, you've got to, if you want to win the lottery, you've got to buy a ticket. But the others were berating him. 
put your hand up, say sorry, lads. I want, I want, want, want put his chin on his chin on his chest and sort of sauntering back to the to the to the halfway line. So he didn't, he didn't almost he didn't seem to want to run. You know, like that's when he's been at his at his best when he's running out of defence. He just didn't seem want to to run today. Yeah, it's disappointing, disappointing. Just that body language. But uh, so interesting summer lies uh, lies ahead for him and, and Watford. But. We're going to be safe. Palace are going to be safe, um, and now we can sort of go. At, we've got players who can do damage at, against Tottenham, who haven't had a great, great run. They had a, they've got the FA Cup semi-final. Uh, they had a, a poor, poor performance against uh, against Brighton. We've got guys who can who can run into space, can ask questions to defenders. Um, defensively, obviously, we're going to have, have trouble again. Man United are there, there to be got out. So, what we really want is not too late to end the season on a high, is it? We've got three games left. Um, a a winnable game at home to Newcastle and then let's go and see what we can go you know you mentioned um, we're going to Wembley we're going to Old Trafford it's it's rude really to sort of say we're I'm ready for the end of the season when we've got those trips you know there's clubs who would absolutely murder to, to have have those two as their last two away games of the season so uh, I'm going to go and, uh, and try and enjoy them but I think these these guys need to go and try and enjoy them but also put on a show because I think opposite to what Scott said I think uh, at the, the event a couple of weeks ago I think there will have to be um, there will have to be transfer dealings and I think we will see a busy summer transfer window for Watford whether it's players agitating for a move away or us trying to, to fix the problems that we've spoken about for the last couple of months so they're, you know, they're on an audition so is, so, is, so is Gracia I think I think there's been enough concern about the last couple of uh, months for you know, we still haven't scored away in 2018 for example um, could feasibly go the rest of the season without doing so so big question marks over him big question marks over a lot of the players golden opportunity to, to, to do it literally on, on the biggest stages. But just to check Mike, you were in a better place than you were last week? Uh, yeah, I'm alright. I'm alright. I'm alright. Point of correction, I think we have scored one away goal in 2018. It was at the Champions Manchester City and it was scored by Andre Gray. <laughs> but it was a very long time ago. Um, also thought it was quite amusing that Mike's favourite performance of the last three home games is the one where he was the most angry at the end. <laughs> A podcast made by Watford fans fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike's surname is Parkin, his son called Arlo, and this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson, Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good. Okay, mate, you've just come in from playing football yourself, so I've got a question about you and your approach to playing football. We've seen Watford play Crystal Palace today, and obviously Wilf Zaha has a bit of a reputation for... Diving? Yes, diving. Now, my question to you, Arlo, is if you were playing in a football match and it got to the last minute, would you dive to win a penalty? No. Never. Good boy. Now, another quick question for you. We've got three games left this season. Newcastle at home, Manchester United away and Tottenham Hotspur away. How many points do you think Watford could get from those games? Seven. Seven? So what's that, two wins and a draw? Uh Uh-huh. And who are they going to beat? I think they're going to beat Man United and Newcastle. And a point against Tottenham. That sounds like a pretty good end for the season. Thanks very much, Arlo. Bye-bye. Podcast, uh, David Cameron Walker, DCW. Uh, he's out in, a, in in Russia at the moment, as we mentioned earlier, uh, watching the game in a bar. Uh, and we want him to send a little message back to us uh, to see what it's like to watch Watford uh, surrounded by Russians.
Hi guys, DCW here, and I join you from many, many thousands of miles away in the Russian outpost of Kaliningrad, which is a little bit of land sandwiched between Poland, Lithuania and Germany, but belongs to Russia. And I'm here ahead of, a, ahead of the World Cup on a little bit of a scouting mission. Now, due to the fixture chaos that we had over in England today, the very unusual and rare occurrence happened that Watford against Crystal Palace found its way onto national terrestrial television across Russia, which meant I was able to watch it in the uh, Sir Francis Drake pub in Kaliningrad. Of course, there's an English pub everywhere you go in the world. It wasn't exactly a cracking atmosphere, in very stark contrast to the scenes at the Vic, I'm sure. There were about seven or eight locals sort of watching the game here and there. They weren't really that interested, if I'm honest. And with me on this trip, I've got a, a Russian journalist with me, helping me out along the way. His name is Artur Petrosian. Uh, he's a writer for ESPN and UEFA.com. And I asked him before the game, how do you think it's going to be? And he, he said to me, surely nil-nil? And I said, nah, it's going to be a good game. We'll score, they'll score. It might be a draw, but I think there'll definitely be goals, which just shows how much I know. So uh, let's have a chat with Arta now. Arta, you have no allegiance to either side. So what did you think of the match today, Watford against Crystal Palace? Well, uh, as they say, it was a game of two halves. Yeah. <laughs> Watford was much better in the first half. Uh, Crystal Palace got the most of the ball after the interval, but uh, overall it's probably the, a fair result, nil-nil. It's not the best match I've seen <laughs> from England, but still, yeah, I enjoyed it, to be honest. And, well, thanks to the good beer we had uh, in, in the English pub, thanks to it we had some fun, despite, despite the final result. Yeah, the beer was very much better than the game, I'll give you that. Um, now, you, you may not know much about Watford or Crystal Palace, but, but you do know a little bit about Javier Gracia, uh, having seen him as manager of Rubin Kazan here in Russia. Now, was that a performance that you were used to seeing from, from Javier Gracia from his time in Russia? Even before coming to Russia, he was in Malaga and he was uh, considered to be the most defensive, the most pragmatic coach in La Liga. And when he came to Rubin Kazan, he tried to do something like that to the Kazan side. But, well, the club spent around like 70, 80 million euros to sign new players. And obviously, when you get um, like a squad of uh, 25 players, you can't keep everyone happy. And that's, that was his biggest problem. And at the start, well, kind of like at Watford, actually. At the start, he was all right. Uh, the players liked him. They tried to show the best they could do. But after some time, uh, they stopped getting the results they needed. And, well, soon enough, he was sucked. <laughs> and now they have to sell most of those players they bought before the Javi Gracia arrival. Do you foresee maybe a similar future for him at Watford? Uh, you never know, but, well, he's the kind of coach who needs time, to be honest. His uh, game philosophy is about keeping tight at the back and playing a counter-attacking football. That's why he prefers um, a system with uh, one striker up front. So, well, yeah, he needs at least to sign a few players for the 
back four and for maybe for the holding midfield area and then well if if he's not successful then then suck him but I, I think you should give him time there we go interesting to see what other Watford fans think about that now as we've got you Arta we're here in Kaliningrad, which is the in the stadium at the moment that we're sitting in is where England will play Belgium in their final group game in the World Cup. And I'm sure a lot of fans listening to this podcast might be considering coming to Russia in the summer, might already have bought tickets themselves. Of course, we've heard a lot in the media in England about maybe there'll be trouble in Russia. People are worried about the situation between the two countries. What, what do you think the World Cup will be like for the fans that come to Russia in the summer? I'm sure it will be a success, probably one of, <clears throat> one of the best World Cups ever. Yeah, I'm honestly... I honestly think that, and well, unless you will be looking for trouble, <laughs> you won't find it. So yeah, just just come to support your team, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Wise words, indeed. Now, before I hand back to you guys, there was just one observation that I made in the uh, pub this afternoon. That, as I said, the locals weren't really that interested in the fare that we were serving them up this afternoon. But the only time that they stirred and looked up from their beers and their food to the screen was when our good friend Wilfred Zaha went down in the second half, not for the first time. In that scramble in the box when Mariapa made the challenge, there may have been a bit of contact, but Zaha made the meal of it, as he always does. And when the Russians saw the replay, they were howling with laughter and, and, and sort of mock applause at, at our friend Zaha's latest dive. Now, whisper it quietly. If the Russians are calling you a cheat, you know you're in trouble, really, don't you? We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! On, on for the weekend, we don't normally talk about uh, other clubs. We're what podcast we talk about it, but the, the two, a few cases we have done, we always talk about managerial changes. Um, particularly when Leicester changed their manager uh, after Ranieri, and uh, everyone went a bit uh, skew if, and it's like, yeah, that's what we do all the time. Get over it. Uh, but this week, um, my, the announcement of uh, Arsene Wenger uh, came out, and, and he's been there for 22 years. Would you want that? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely would. I think, but what you'd add the caveat. And when I felt, when I heard the news, I felt a bit, I felt a bit sort of sad and sorry yeah. for him. When actually, we shouldn't be feeling sorry for someone who's enjoyed a pretty illustrious 22-year career, um, and has quite rightly the plaudits have been coming through about. I think a lot of people have been sharing their personal experiences with him, and we're standing outside the Hornet shop with, with the uh, with the picture of GT. Um, arms folded, looking imperious uh, behind us, which is which is always a lovely sight. Graham Taylor changed the, the footballing landscape, I think, certainly at, at Watford Football Club. But I think Wenger changed the whole approach to, to football in this country. They're looking at diet, looking at you know discipline, all that side of things, the science, the science of football, if you like. And he he has rightly been attributed with that. But also the amount of time he had for supporters, being running late for interviews because he's been signing autographs and all that sort of stuff. The advice he's had for, for younger players, you know, he's been an absolutely terrific addition to, um, to to Premier League football and to to English football as a whole. He's always been, you know, he's, he's had his odd skew if moment when he's been prodded in the wrong place by 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 Mourinho or, or or someone like that. But that's what you want from a manager. You want them to react. You need you need a bit of prickle. You need a bit of bite. So I think he's been um, an unbelievable figure in Premier League football. And would I want that? Absolutely right, I would. Yeah, because that that continuity is something that's so important. You talk about Watford here and you talk about having a clear out in the summer. Well, they'll be thinking, well, I can probably do what I want to a degree because this guy's going to be gone in six months, eight months, ten months. And I, 
I find it hard to, to think that people aren't thinking like that. You know, if people misbehave when the boss is away, there's a different atmosphere when the boss is away in the, in the office, then it's the same here. The boss is going to go. They think the head coach is going to go. Whereas under, under Wenger, there is... That. And again, go, go back to GT. You know full well who's boss. You know full well he isn't going anywhere. You know full well he's got the ear and the full trust and the backing of the board and the majority of supporters. So you better get on and you better perform for him. You know, there's a famous story about him. I think Henry Winter shared it about the players who, when if you, he discouraged people having tea, certainly discouraged people having milk in their tea, and was apoplectic if you had sugar in it. But if you did, there was a way you stirred it to make sure that everything dissolved. <laughs> so that's his attention to detail. Can you imagine someone here telling Jose Jose Holobas how to stir his tea? He'd sort of he'd laugh and walk off. Whereas Wenger, they'd say, yes, boss, and get on with it and do it. Um, so would I like you here was a question. I absolutely would. We're never going to get another Graham Taylor. We're never going to get anyone like Wenger again. Um, but I think you can aspire to that. I think you can aspire to that level of dedication, devotion, attention to detail, commitment to one club. There's no reason that that, that can't happen. Um, I'd love to see it here. I'd love to see it here. Jason, what's the longest you think a manager could actually stand uh, keep a keep a position here at, at Watford? Scott did say at the at our place that it would be they're, they're thinking on a, a two-year rotation. Possible to get it any longer than that? Do you think in the in the in the setup that we have? Potentially, yeah. I mean, they they're, they're targeting a sort of a two-year rotation. But let's say everything works well at the end of the, that second year, could become something that would would mean success for Watford it could be uh, one of the one of the cups now that's that's certainly reasonable and if that happens then you'd want to hang on to the manager if they're too successful obviously they might go elsewhere we know all about that uh, but yeah I, I don't see a reason why not I don't think anyone will get what Wenger or Fergie did with their reigns at Man United and the only one I can think of and it's down to him if his choice is Eddie Howe oh, yeah absolutely <laughs> certainly and maybe even Daishi at Burnley because he's yeah, he's doing such a good job there and I wouldn't I can't perceive he'd want to go anywhere else at the moment but 22 years is a hell of a long time five years of off that doesn't seem unreasonable I think if the thing is there's only so far you can take the club as well like I say you, we might win a trophy in that time perhaps you could get into the Europa League finishing the top half even that's a good season for Watford and, and, and there's no reason why yes we're ambitious and yes we might want to push for more but I, I certainly think I'd rather see us do it with a, a manager or a head coach who is making improvements and making progress rather than say okay he's got us this far I don't think he can push us again let's get someone else in I think I'd rather see that the, the man that improved us in the first place we given the chance to take us to the next level well he's given the support to do that <clears throat> rather than being well you haven't done it so, so you're moving on we had a quick session uh, during the game about uh, so who's going to take over from him of course it's not going to be Marco is it could be another former Watford manager someone said Brendan Rodgers thought it's not a bad show yeah it could well be it'd be interesting but I think Torgan mentioned Marco Silva there and I, I was, when the news broke I thought he'll be sat there they sure he should, at least he should be in the Silva household shaking his head thinking uh, and it's sort of, and I don't think it would have been. I think enough's come out about about his tenure here that would, you know, the due diligence. If anyone's going to do due diligence on a on a new head coach, it's going to be that Arsenal board. They've got the most important decision to make in 22 years, yeah. quite frankly. And they've seen how Manchester United made it very badly. Yeah, exactly. It's very, it's very difficult, and I think they would have found out enough about Marco Silva for him not to have not to have been a serious contender. That said, if Watford are sat in eighth position, having turned in a a, a, a season of really decent football, which you know, let's not forget that first 
first first six, seven, eight games was, were a joy to watch. We were absolutely purring. So, and that was the, that was what baffled me about the silver situation so much. You know, all you have to do is wait for these jobs to happen. Wenger's going to go eventually. Chelsea is a Chelsea is a volatile place. Mourinho is volatile at, at United. Prove yourself, and you'll you'll be in the in with the shout. Exactly. That's all he had to do. But. And uh, yeah, I just wonder how how he feels this week because I think he's I think he will end up at Everton because otherwise I think he would have taken a job elsewhere on the continent. So I think he's sitting there enjoying his his money somewhere, which is which is absolutely fine. I'm glad we shot of him. I'm glad he's not going to get the Arsenal job, and it'll be fascinating to see the atmosphere when he comes back. But mentioning the atmosphere about visiting um, visiting managers or players. Uh, I thought the uh, the Wilf show today was absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I thought you were going to say the lovely round of applause uh, for uh, Ray Lewington. That was uh, lovely to see. But yeah, it was. That was heartwarming. I think uh, people shouldn't forget the 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 debt that Watford really owes Ray Lewington for that for that period. But Zaha, I mean, I think he's absolutely terrific. <laughs> I, I really do think he. I think he's an absolutely superb player. I think he's incredibly talented. I think the way that he has defenders absolutely bricking it quite frankly not you know you get if you give him any space you're dead you're toast mm. I thought Watford mastered him very well for the majority of the game they were up close and he struggled but then the more the more space he got the more dangerous he looked and just so just he could he could have the he could have a team on its on its knees basically and the fury of course that he <laughs> that he that he sort of instills in the opposition crowd it was great great to and fro in today lots of booing and it's almost a bit of a pantomime but then I thought we saw Zaha's issue in microcosm with, the, with that second half incident in the penalty area for me I think it was a penalty all day long I think there was contact we'll see it on match of the day later and I think you will find all the pundits saying that's a penalty he should have had a penalty but what he's done he's made it look so ridiculous that, and quite frankly he can't help himself um, and he's thrown his heels up he's flicked and he, you don't fall like that you just do not fall like that so he's given the referee an opportunity Are you saying he didn't listen in his science lessons and he was thinking about being a professional footballer when if he paid attention in physics a bit more Michael think, he would have been a better diver I think it is stunning that for someone who is so keen to go to ground and I, you know if that's the, the way that he feels he's the best use of his talents that's absolutely fine to go get in a decent position and go to ground fine you're, you're going to get a lot of penalties that's, that's, if that's what he's decided he's going to do then, then fine but be better at it than that because because I am 100% certain, in fact, he's cost himself a penalty there. And, then, and, and I've just had a bit of to and fro with a, with a Palace guy who we follow each other on Twitter. He's saying it's irrelevant the way he falls. Absolutely, it should be irrelevant the way you fall. But when you've had a career like his, you bring it into play. And, it, and he's, he's cost himself and he's cost Palace there. Ha! <laughs> 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 You're a numpty. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. Jason, next week, uh, Tottenham away at Wembley. We're going to Wembley. Nothing to win, which is a bit disappointing. Or at least Including that match, probably. Yeah, well, let's see. Um, would it change much? It's always a question I think we always talk about here. We've seen something good happening. We saw this 4 4 2. Would you change much? Is there any player particularly that you say, you know what we're missing? We're missing a certain player to come be in that side. I'd, I think I'd probably like to see Firmino come back in. Um, I, I think we have set in, up in his attacking way or his defensive way with the potential of t- attacking. In in his attacking way, I'd, I'm not, and, that, and that would mean obviously if we if we go four four two because that we did well enough with that uh, at the start today. That means putting him where Will Hughes was so that maybe means finding somewhere else for Will I'd, the funny thing is I the thing that worried me about sort of Will Hughes playing on the right was I'm not sure 
if he's the man to sort of whip a ball in I'm not sure if his crossing is as good as Firmino's and then when Firmino came on today I think his first cross dribbled to the nearest defender on the edge of the area um, (laughs) told me so yeah I think Firmino's been probably our best player over the last few weeks I I think I'd like to see him back in the side and he said what to do with Hughes do we go 4-4-2 and I don't know who do you you drop perhaps we should give Decore a rest just, just, oh, Jason, he, he's only missed he, one game this season and that we lost terribly away at Brighton. Today, today, I, I thought he was letting things... Yeah, but it's, hang on, but it's Monday night at Wembley, on the telly, around the world. That's what gets your, your, your selling value up if well, you need to sell him. He should have thought about that then over the last couple of months. Where he, and, you know, he's, I'm not blaming him. I'm not saying he's turned in poor performances on, on purpose. I think we've asked an awful lot of him in that centre of, of the midfield. It's, you know, you, you imagine that centre of midfield without Will Hughes in it now and mm. Tom Cleverley, and you can sort of try and think about the amount of work that Takore's had to do. So I think he's had a, a great season and, I'm, and it, you know, I think he's, he will win player of the season, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, but I think, you know, you can't, there's no sentiment in this. You know, we've got to go there to try and get something. Uh, and I thought he was all right in the first half, but then he found himself on a booking again. And it, I, to be honest, he was lucky not to be sent off in the, in the first half. He went steaming over um, when <laughs> our old mate's gone down in the box again. Um, that one wasn't a penalty, but I understand trying to wind him up. I understand trying to sort of, you know, maybe get in his face and ask a question, why are you doing that? Let the officials know that we're questioning his sort of integrity. But don't put your hands on him on when you're on a booking um, because it's just brain dead. He's just brain dead. And I think he, he was lucky there was a high foot. You'd seen uh, someone else book for a high foot uh, earlier in, or maybe, maybe not, but... <sighs> He, I think he was on a tightrope for, for a long time there and he, we don't want to be put in that, in that position. So can I just say, as a podcast, are we all saying, or some of us saying, that we should rest, not drop, rest, Decore? Put him on a bit. It doesn't matter because we're going to win. Because <laughs> I yes. said... Oh, yes, Mike, we're guaranteed. Get your, get your app out for betting. What are we going to win? Why, Jason? Because you asked me which big scout we were going to go for this season uh, and I said Tottenham away. And that doesn't mean you've got a reputation for, for naming these uh, scouts. Does it? Well, since we've been back in the Premier League, I'm two for two. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool at home in the first season and Manchester United at home in the second season. This is my first go uh, an away win. I've gone for where the value is. <laughs> Will we have any value at, uh, at Wembley? We shall see. Uh, maybe. It, it might be, hey, I'll be happy with the draw. That's better than the last few trips to that place. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mike. Look, it's absolutely no problem. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Jason. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, and do tell your friends. And follow us on social media, at Watford Podcast, Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. And uh, thank you to anybody who uh, kicked around uh, on Facebook on Wednesday night uh, when Mike and I were having a chat. Finally, when we figured out the technicalness of it all. Uh, and also Adam Leventhal for getting involved uh, and telling us about the new project uh, that Tells the Vicarage are doing where they're trying to find the, uh, the A to Z of Watford. Uh, so do follow them uh, on Twitter and social media to get involved and, uh, and give your suggestions for the, the, the upcoming book. Um, so, off to Wembley. Said that before. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's put a, a dampener on my spirits. <laughs> oh, that's good. Come on, you Hornets. Jason said we're going to win. Let's go and get it done. Three points at Wembley. Lovely jubbly. <laughs>